You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 157. And this episode's being released a few days before Easter. And so that's kind of guiding what we're talking about today. The title of the show is The Controversy of the Resurrection. And no matter how it's been commercialized, Easter in its purest form is the celebration of Jesus Christ back from the dead. This is not a spiritual resurrection. This is a literal, physical resurrection from the dead and never to die again. And this is really what the entire Christian faith is based on. Um, Christianity is, is not based primarily on what Jesus taught. It's based on the historicity that he's alive. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, For if there's no resurrection of the dead then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and our faith is useless. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you four arguments, uh, three primary ones and then a secondary one, that skeptics or agnostics or atheists or people from other faiths use to argue against the resurrection. The first one is this. It's that the disciples stole Jesus' body, Jesus' dead body, out of the grave. And this one's actually found in Scripture. Um, Matthew 28, verses 11 to 15. Um, the first part of that chapter, verses 1 to 10, record the event of the resurrection. Uh, Jesus appeared to some women. And then it says, while the women were on their way, back to tell the other disciples, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that they had, that had happened. And, and of course, they're talking about the, the resurrection, the fact that they saw an angel and the big stone that was blocking the temple rolled away and they saw Jesus alive again. And when the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated. And it's still widely circulated today. You know, this story really, this argument really takes a lot for granted. You know, the disciples, when you read about the disciples in, in, the, in the four Gospels, they don't strike you as a SEAL Team 6 members. And, and remember, the tomb was guarded by a, a contingent of Roman soldiers. And these were well-trained, armed soldiers. And with the exception of, you know, Peter wielding a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane and, 
you know, trying to behead the guy and only managing to whack off his ear, or Simon the Zealot, who who probably before he followed Jesus belonged to the Zealot Party, which was a uh, a party designed or, or, or designated for the overthrow of Rome. You know, there really isn't anything to indicate that the disciples were men of violence. And so they just, you just don't get the picture that these guys are going to be the ones to sneak in in the middle of the night and, and you know, get past the guards and, and, and push this big stone open and then get rid of the body of Jesus. It just, the logistics make it difficult to believe. Um, you know, another another reason why this argument just doesn't hold a whole lot of water is if you believe the gospel accounts, um, there's nothing in them to indicate that they believe Jesus was going to rise from the dead. He predicted it. He told his followers that, uh, that he was going to be crucified and he would rise on the third day, but there's nothing for them to indicate that they believe that. Uh, it, it actually would go against everything that that they understood about the Messiah, dead Messiah, didn't really count. I mean, if you died, you had failed, and so in their mind, up until they saw Jesus alive, that was that seemed to be what they believed. I mean, they 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 probably saw Jesus's death as the the crushing of their hopes and dreams, and you know they knew that a crucified Messiah was a failed Messiah. In fact, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, said that. Um, anyone who who hung on a tree was cursed of God, and that's essentially what crucifixion was. But this is probably this what I'm about to share is probably the biggest argument, um, or the biggest fallacy of the argument that Jesus's disciples stole his body out of the tomb and perpetuated a hoax. And it's this: if they did that, they all died for that hoax. They all, with the exception of the Apostle John, suffered nasty, brutal, violent deaths at the hand of the Romans and others because of this lie. And, you know, it seems, I think I don't think you're going to find many people that are going to believe that, uh, you know, ten men are going to go to their deaths for a lie. Um, if it gets to that point, they're probably going to say, oh, yeah, we were just kidding and, and pull the body of Jesus out or tell where it's at. So so the idea of the disciples uh, perpetuating a hoax that's lasted for 2,000 years, but more importantly, being willing to die for that hoax just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it, it also goes against the grain of everything that Jesus and his followers stood for. So that's the, the first argument is the fact that Jesus stole the or his disciples stole his body. The second argument that people will often use against the crucifixion is that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. This has uh, been called the swoon theory. Jesus just fainted from from all he suffered. And then while he was in the, the coal or the cool um, uh, tomb, he revived and managed to break out of that tomb and then go show himself to his disciples, show himself to the disciples as alive again. And they took that to be resurrected. Excuse me. This, this assumes a lot of things, too. First of all, the Romans were really, really good at killing people. They were experts at it. And, and crucifixion was their means, primary means of execution. 
and they had perfected it. They had it down to a science. And so it was their job. It's, it's very unlikely that they would have not noticed that Jesus was still alive. A second reason why the swoon theory is not credible is the, the, the amount of physical punishment that Jesus endured. People that um, you know believe this theory really haven't studied crucifixion and everything that went along with it. Crucifixion itself was enough to kill most people. I mean, people died uh, from crucifixion. Now, granted, they probably didn't die as soon as Jesus died. It was unusual to die uh, within six hours. It was not uncommon for people to to linger for you know twelve or fourteen or even twenty four hours. But the punishment that Jesus had taken, the scourging, um, the beatings, scourging itself was potentially fatal. If you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ and you saw that scourging sequence and you were able to actually watch it with with with, with both eyes open, um, just the brutality of it, uh, the shock, the loss of blood, the trauma that the person endured. Many people died during the scourging. Forget the crucifixion. But the, the crucifixion itself was designed to kill people slowly. And, you know, you've got the wrist, the, the ankles through the, the wrist, and uh, the, 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 the nails through the wrist and ankles. But then you also have Jesus being stabbed in the side. I mean, there was an eyewitness account written by one of his followers who, this is in John 19, it says, The soldiers came and broke the legs of the first two men who had been crucified, and that was to hasten their death. And then they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And and this, uh, doctors will tell you, this presence of blood and water coming out together uh, showed that Jesus had already died of asphyxiation. And that was actually what were the reason most people died during crucifixion, is they just couldn't breathe. They couldn't push themselves up enough to breathe. So if, there, if by some chance Jesus had survived the first part of the crucifixion, he's not going to survive the, the spear in the side. So, so the, fact that, the fact is Jesus died. Um, it's just too, too much to believe. It actually takes more faith to believe that he would be able to live through the crucifixion than it does to believe the, 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 the resurrection. And then another reason that the, the, the swoon theory doesn't hold up under scrutiny is the fact that two men who loved and respected Jesus immensely, two religious leaders, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, took him down from the cross and, and went through the burial ceremony, wrapping his body up and preparing it for burial. Um, these men would have checked Jesus' body carefully. They loved him. They cared for him. So the idea that, that Jesus somehow survived, and if he did, if just somehow, by some miracle, uh, he survived the crucifixion, he sub- survived the spear to the side, he survived being wrapped up in 75 pounds of, of, of burial spices, and then he was able to stand up on feet that have had nails through them, um, force this huge stone that may have weighed um, 150 pounds or more, 200 pounds or even more. Um, he was able to roll it out of the way and then get past the soldiers. Again, that takes a lot of faith to believe.
do not go away. We still have two more controversies about the resurrection. But I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Reflections on the Resurrection. And this is such a great book to read anytime, but especially at this moment when we celebrate Easter. Uh, Reflections on the Resurrection is um, full of material just like we're going through today. This is an adaptation of a chapter. But then there's other chapters that are more devotional. Uh, there are more chapters that are that are a little more educational. And then there are some that are like this that are that are apologetic and, and give you some tools to use to, to counter arguments against Jesus' resurrection. Listen, the resurrection was the central message of the early church. Um, it's the power of the resurrection that gives us power to live today. So check out Reflections on the Resurrection. There'll be a link in the show notes. I know you'll love it. Well, all right. We're back. We have talked about so far um, the argument that the disciples stole Jesus' body and perpetuated a hoax. We've talked about the fact that some people argue that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He was able to endure all that punishment. He just fainted and then was able to escape the tomb. And now we're going to mention the third controversy about the resurrection, and it's this. Jesus really wasn't crucified. Now, this is an interesting one, and really the, the only main group that deals with this one it, are the, the Muslims. This, is, this comes from Muslim scholars, uh, from their interpretation of the Bible as well as the, the Koran. And what they believe is the fact that Jesus, because they don't believe him as to be the Son of God, but they do believe Muslims will acknowledge that Jesus was a prophet of God. And as a prophet of God, he could not die on a cross. He couldn't be crucified. This God would never allow one of his prophets to suffer such a, 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 an indignity. So what they believe is that Judas, after he had betrayed Jesus, God judged the traitor and allowed Judas to be crucified. Somehow the authorities mixed Jesus and Judas up. The, they must have looked alike, according to the Muslim scholars. And so Judas was arrested, and Judas was crucified instead of Jesus. The Gospel of Barnabas, who um, there's no credible scholars that believe that the Apostle Barnabas had anything to do with this letter. In fact, they believe it was written uh, possibly as late as medieval times. But uh, they believe the Ro the Gospel of Barnabas talks about the fact that the Roman governor mistook Judas for Jesus, had him put to death, and then Jesus later ascended into heaven after the Gospel said, but he ascended as a prophet and not as the Son of God. So, obviously, this is a, a very, uh, as, as I said at the beginning, this is one of the sub-arguments uh, or a minor um, argument against the fact that Jesus, uh, you know, didn't rise from the dead, and that was the fact that he wasn't crucified to begin with. And as we said, this is predominantly the the Muslims that believe this. But obviously, the New Testament teaches that Jesus died, and he died. Uh, it's a historical fact, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, from a spiritual point of view, he died as a sacrifice for our sins. 
Um, the four Gospels teach it. It's, it's reiterated throughout the whole New Testament. This is a key point is that Jesus died, was buried, and then was resurrected, and then ascended to heaven. This is what the New Testament teaches. But from a purely historical point of view, uh, the historian Josephus, who is a non-biblical historian, he also mentions the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, So this was uh, historically um, acknowledged, the fact that Jesus was crucified and put to death under the governor Pontius Pilate. Well, then the last uh, controversy of the resurrection that I, that I want to touch on is the hallucination theory. Some people actually talk um, and believe that, that, that Jesus was crucified but didn't rise from the dead, but because his disciples missed him so much and because his disciples wanted so badly for him to be resurrected, They hallucinated and saw Jesus, the risen Jesus, and they all had this same hallucination. I mean, this actually, again, takes a whole lot of faith to believe this. There's several reasons why this is such a weak argument. First of all, there were multiple witnesses to the resurrection. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, actually gives us a a witness list. When I was a police officer, if I had to do a complicated report, um, I would do a witness list of all the witnesses involved, and these were potential witnesses that could be called to testify in court. But but listen to what Paul says. This is his list of witnesses and a bit of a chrono- chronology of the resurrection. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And when Paul was writing this, it was about 20 or 25 years later. Though some have fallen asleep, last of all, as to one unlikely or untimely born, he appeared... Also to me. And it also mentions in there he appeared to his brother, uh, earthly brother James, and to the other apostles. So so Jesus appeared to a number of people. So if we're going to believe that he, they had hallucinations, that they all had the same hallucination, which is highly, highly unlikely. Are individual hallucinations possible? Sure. But even there it usually comes to a person who's actually anticipating what they want to see. As we've already said, there was no faith on the disciples' part that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. There's no indication. If it was, they'd have been waiting for him on that third day at the tomb. But there is no indication that happened. So again, the idea of a hallucination is just crazy. Um, You know, another argument against this is that... um, we see the Apostle Thomas, who was one of the twelve, actually have, and he's not the only one, but this is just such a great story, a physical interaction with Jesus. Uh, Thomas is the one who wasn't there the first time the disciples saw Jesus after he had been raised from the dead. And Thomas says, unless I see him and unless I put my 
hands, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then Jesus, when he showed up, uh, he actually gave Thomas that privilege. He said, here, come, come, Thomas, touch me. I'm, I'm physical. You can see. You got anything to eat? And Jesus sat down and had a meal with him. In fact, two or three times after the resurrection, we actually see Jesus enjoying a meal with his disciples. So we can talk about in another time what kind of body Jesus had. I mean, he could show up and disappear and then sit down and eat a meal. So it was a physical, Paul actually in 1 Corinthians 15 describes it as a physical, spiritual body. But another argument against the hallucination theory is and this is probably the, the, the best, the hallucination theory was probably the most easy of all of them to refute. If Jesus was dead and his disciples had hallucinations that he was alive, all the authorities had to do was go open the tomb and drag his body out. That's all they had to do to disprove the hallucination theory. Um. So again, it's not a very strong theory, but it's, for whatever reason, it's gotten a lot of mileage and you know traction over the years. Um, you know, these are just some of the pri- these are the primary arguments. There probably are some others, but these are the main ones that that argue against the resurrection of Jesus. And as we've seen, they're all weak. They're they're, they're not really good arguments. It's tough to build a case on these arguments. Um, and you know, there have always been and always will be efforts to explain away the resurrection and to explain away all the miracles of God. However, when you take these arguments and, and put them under the, the magnifying glass of, uh, of God's Word, in logic, they all tend to fall apart. Well, now it's your turn. I'd love to hear from you. What do you think about the controversies that I've shared about the resurrection? Can you think of any other arguments against the resurrection. There are several other great arguments before, you know, for the resurrection. Um, but, you know, these are the primary ones that go against it. And so these are the ones you may hear in a college classroom. You may hear over a, a lunch with a co-worker. But at least now you've got some tools to use to, to discuss the fact that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Let me know what you think. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment about today's post. I'd love to hear from you. While you're at davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. Just punch your uh, email address there in the little box on the side. Check out my, uh, my books page. I've got some great resources that I know you'd enjoy. And until next time, this is David Spell letting you know that he is risen. Mm-hmm.